Howdy, everybody. Today, we are continuing our return to Jane Austen. Yep, that's right. And we are focused on Sense and Sensibilities, Marianne and Colonel Brandon today. Do we ship it? Listen to find out. Hi, everyone. I'm Devin. And I'm Steph. And welcome to the We Ship It podcast, Jane Austen style. Mm-hmm. Today, we continue our <laughs> sense and sensibility train. Last time we talked about Eleanor and Edward, which I think was the first one in a while that we did not ship. Is that correct, Devin? Am I, I correct? Think, I, I think so. <clears throat> there, okay. I think there's probably been like somewhere we're like, eh, maybe yeah, there's yeah, contingencies. I think but... this was a maybe. It was more leaning towards a maybe. Go listen to the episode. I have to listen to it again, evidently. Um, but so go check that out if you haven't yet. And today we're going to analyze Marianne and Colonel Brandon, which I'm excited about because I actually like them better. Okay, but don't <laughs> tell anyone that until the end. Um, we'll but <laughs> oh, Devin, I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, you already, you all already know Devin's thoughts on on sentences. <laughs> yeah, I struggled with this one, guys. I don't know why it was just not moving for me. That's I read sad. it. It was fine, but I just didn't feel pulled. But at it. least you can now say that you've read most of the major works of Jane Austen. Yeah, we have only a couple left, I think. I think so. So that's exciting. That's exciting. Yes, but today we are joined by Tom Usley. Hello, Tom. Welcome to the show. It's so good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yay. Uh, so Tom and I worked together. Um, and one day we realized, I think we were sitting down at dinner or something with a big group. And we realized that we were Jane Austen fanatics. And I get super excited, one, when I find someone who's a Jane Austen fanatic, but two, when I find a guy who's a Jane Austen fanatic. <laughs> so I'm so excited that you're here because I I don't know. I, I just love Jane Austen, naming my daughter after her. So this is going to be a great episode. So thanks for joining yeah, no, it's great to be here. It is like, I will say there's not many fellas I've met out there who are like, <laughs> oh my gosh, like I could talk Jane Austen. Uh, All I, I day. Think, yeah, but that's the thing. I think if more people like actually took the time to read it, like I get entranced with any sort of story where it, it doesn't necessarily feel like the, the world that we live in today, not just like yes. setting wise, but with like the social, the cultural norms mm -hmm. where like holding someone's hand outside of like helping them into a carriage or dancing was, was like, like considered scandalous. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I love just like diving into those stories mm -hmm. where it's like, oh my gosh, like it feels so different from ours. But then the relational side of it, you know, there's so much to dive into and unpack in those. Yeah. But I, I think more guys, if they actually took the time would probably appreciate James. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I, I do think that the movies um, that have come out have made it more of like a thing that people, like not just guys, but people who wouldn't pick up like an old Victorian novel have appreciated more. And mm. what I like is that it does draw you back to her story. But when you read Jane Austen, it's so different than watching the movie just because of the language she uses. And so I don't know. I think more people would appreciate it if they picked up the books. So hopefully the movies encourage them to do that. My vocabulary is always better after I read one of those books. Yes. Isn't it though? Literally. <laughs> yes, it is. I also want to speak with an accent. 
she uses some <laughs> fancy language and a lot of words to kind yes. of convey her meaning which is she a lot of words is fun. right is right because i think that was your issue with this particular book right devin like it was mostly like her- it's so much narration that i was like we felt like we didn't get the... too much of the relationship correct sure that's but a that's... fair critique yeah yeah but either way let's move on let's talk about this work oh before we do though random question generator time <laughs> oh boy hey okay. this is where my nerves kick in yes <laughs> okay well you'll have to let me know if do, do you both have netflix before i ask this question yes yeah Okay, so what is your favorite show on Netflix right now? Could it be any right streaming now? service? Any sh- any streaming service. I'll give you that. Okay, my my old reliable, and I just I cycle through these. Once I finish one, I go back to the other. Um, are Cheers and Frasier? Those oh, two yeah. are just like quintessential comedies. The writing is witty as heck. Mm-hmm. You can throw it on in the background, do the dishes, whatever you need. So, like in terms of repetition those are just kind of on loop in my home um i'm not one to like really invest in watching a new show unless i get a personal um (laughs) referral from like a friend where they're like hey this is good because if you're investing in like a show or something that's that's time that's dedication time so (laughs) devin and i have learned this yeah we we just did our friend series which took forever literally i can imagine Yeah. yeah but uh yeah devin what's yours um if it's like kind of going along with tom's lines of just throwing something on in the background i feel like it would have to be parks and rec or yeah new girl you took mine i love new girl Uh, um no i mean that's the thing is like there are those classics that like didn't originate as like streaming service mm-hmm. shows and i think they're honestly a little bit better most of the time but gilmore girls or new girl that's what i have on in the background all the time mm-hmm. if i'm thinking of like a modern like netflix original show i don't really know like which one that i, I mean i like the shadow and bone show that we watch i thought they did a was that a netflix original yeah i don't even was. know that's yeah, like in my queue. I haven't seen it yet. It's yeah. pretty good. Um, okay. But ultimately, like... Ooh, Stranger Things. Stranger there you go. Things that's overlying. That's a, that's a good yes. Netflix classic. Um, And have you... Okay. This is I don't really know true. if I would keep it on the background at all times, but... No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. Um, and I enjoyed... Did you guys... Did either of you watch the show Glow? No. It was no. really funny. Don't watch it. I, don't watch it. But <laughs> She's I did not recommending enjoy it. <laughs> don't, I do not recommend, but it's really funny and I enjoyed it. Um, okay. So moving on from our random question here. Crazy. Um, I wrote a little summary, but I didn't go too deep because we did with Eleanor um, with our last episode. Um, But as mentioned in our previous episode, we meet the sisters, the Dashwood sisters, after having been kicked out of their home at Norland Park where after their father dies. Um, So they end up living in a cottage. And that's kind of where our story begins. Marianne's story is quite different than Eleanor's. Um, It kind of stems from the fact that she's the sensibility part of the book, whereas Eleanor is the sense part of the book. Um, 
So pretty immediately, she falls in love with a fellow named John Willoughby. Um, Eleanor, like I said, is the sister with more sense. Marianne has the sensibility, which here we're meaning passion. Um, And Eleanor kind of warns her how having these passions and acting on them all the time makes her look and how it could be a problem in a relationship. You might get in over your head, like way before you realize it. Um, So Marianne acts exactly as she feels. She wears her feelings on her sleeve and she definitely makes her feelings known throughout the story. um, We really don't hear from Willoughby too much again until later. Um, And Eleanor starts to sort of worry about how this impacts her sister. Marianne kind of stands firm until she learns that Willoughby, in fact, does not love her. From there, she sinks into a depression that essentially makes her sick. It's like really hard to watch. Um, But in that cycle, Eleanor has decided to take care of her. Um, and all along, this older gentleman, Colonel Brandon, um, he's taken an interest in Marianne from the beginning. The thing is, he's a lot older. Um, it's clear he has an affection for her, but she's not really interested in the beginning. Um, she kind of thinks of him as like less exciting than the Willoughby character. Uh, but eventually he does tend to her when she's in the the throes of her sickness um, and she ends up falling for him. So in the end, the two get married. I think it's like a year after Eleanor and Edward get married or something, but it wraps up very nicely where the two end up, the two sisters end up married fairly, you know, in the same timeline um, to the exact guys that are meant for them. So <laughs> it's very good. And then Willoughby is like upset the whole time but he deserves it so we'll talk about that cry me a river yeah cry me a river man (laughs) come on man (laughs) so let's discuss let's get started all right so we want to hear your thoughts on the sisters how does eleanor's more reserved sense shape the way marianne acts reacts and sees the world how are the two different yeah so definitely diving into like the the contrast of you know eleanor's sense uh, Marianne's sensibility. I think Eleanor being the the older, um, obviously, I think you can see a dichotomy of sisters, brothers, siblings in general. When one goes one way, mm. uh, the younger tends to uh, revert to see the the pros and cons of the elder. Um, must and rebel. Even, must rebel. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> I think Marianne already has that sort of spirit. But then, especially when like at the beginning of of the story they're introduced to edward and she can see this uh affection growing between eleanor and edward but she keeps questioning it with the you know well what about like where is his passion like he doesn't read with passion he's you know uh, in her eyes probably like a plain bagel no cream cheese not plain toasted <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's just beautiful. like okay ed- yeah edward you know it's it's fine great but that's she's not seeing the uh affection given or received and uh in edward's case i suppose we you know come to realize why that is like why he's not necessarily encouraging that affection um but then at the same time marianne uh is upset with her sister for not um pursuing it more with not being more outspoken about her feelings and even you know kind of the uh what the suffering that eleanor goes through partially because of her reserve and so yeah when it when it comes marianne's time to speak up about how she feels she's wearing her heart on her sleeve she's going all in because she sees what happened to eleanor with edward and she doesn't want that right 
Yeah, it's like really it's it's funny to me, but it's kind of hard to watch the two just sort of push and pull and how like they yeah, impact each other. Definitely magnets that push each other mm-hmm. apart. Yeah, and we talked about this in our Eleanor episode. They remind me of the sisters from White Christmas. The two sisters mm-hmm. who like the one, the older one won't even think of getting married until the younger one is like taken care of. And the younger one is like rash and like makes all of these decisions, sends them to Vermont. Like you kind of see that here. It's like I, I think that Marianne, you're right, sees how reserved her sister is and decides from there that's not how I want to be. So Mm. a a girl who already, and I think that she gets this from her mom, just in the way her mom reacts to the world, um, a girl who already reacts with a lot of emotion is almost encouraged to do it more because she sees how her sister has been unsuccessful. Um, But I, I do think there's both nature and nurture involved because I think her mom shares a very similar like viewpoint viewpoint not just perspective but also like like emotional state like the way that she the way that she doesn't even see that eleanor is having issues and she (laughs) she's like my poor marianne like blah 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 um i I think that it's clear that that's kind of where she and that's kind of what jane austen's mo is for a mother of of daughters is that she just is focused on getting them married and she's Mm. like all over the place and i do see um, how that impacts Marianne as well. And in the midst of their father's death as well, it's it's natural that Mrs. Dashwood is looking towards, you know, okay, well, how are my daughters going to be taken care of? Because, yep. you know, their their half-brother, he's not doing a thing. Oh, he's, he's terrible. He's being, yeah, he's being coerced out of it, but even still, like, he's not putting up a he's fight weak. for them. Yeah, yeah. He's weak. He's, he's not weak. wearing the pants. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, but no, I agree. I think it's interesting to see how these two sisters, although presented with the same, not issues or problems, but the same like happenings mm-hmm. react differently mm-hmm. to them. Um, and I think you're right in that it is an influence of their upbringing and just being close to each other. They Marion sees the way that Eleanor has handled things, wants to do better, quote unquote, than her. Um, but you're right that she is much more emotional. And that kind of goes overboard when she does experience her um, despair and depression. Um, it It kind of builds up so much that it just tears her apart from the inside she's um, also younger like i do just yes, want to give there like, is a lot of naivety in it to, yeah like and not that eleanor is like super experienced in this no. realm so she's like you know the older mm-hmm. wiser one but ultimately like marianne is a younger soul who like has experienced a little bit less of the world than her sister yeah. so i'd say she's like the high school yeah definitely a high school yeah, girl she, whereas eleanor might be considered more of a college girl yeah yeah um, she's in the prime of her beauty everyone has like nothing but good things to say about marianne and i think she lets it go to her head a oh, bit yeah. when she's like oh for romanticizing sure. these ideas <laughs> of like oh yeah i can yeah. have anyone i want so i should have the love she thinks of my the world life. revolves around her and right. just yeah. walks and around in a daze yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but okay, so what is Marianne's expectation of love? Would you consider it realistic? Is it fair to desire the type of love that she does? It is 
it's not unfair to say that like her intentions are like what she's seeking it it's not a bad thing it, it comes mm-hmm. from a good place it comes from a a loving place um but i think she gets lost and almost like a slave to those inhibitions um or to those um affections that the idea of love should be this grand thing that every moment you're being swept off your feet and it's more infatuation with the idea of love than actual true affection and we see the sisters going about things differently where eleanor and edward you know um they achieve this sort of like you know familial friendship um that eventually they realize turns into affections uh that are shared between them uh meanwhile marianne is too caught up in the romantic ideals of oh we love the same books we love the same music these shallow things where it's it's not a bad thing to have those in common but at the end of the day are those going to secure happiness for a lifetime you know okay well you've got the starter kit now what's actually just checking boxes instead of like investing yeah and you can see like her dismissal of you know brandon comes pretty quickly when you know he's more of the reserve type he's you know not outspoken very much and you can see part of like why that is when we delve into his story um but at the same time you know marianne she she is young she's 18 she's got all these you know she doesn't have a penny to her name but you know she's promised like oh yeah she'll be you know the the bell of the ball wherever she goes nothing is out of her range and i think the idea of like heartbreak of you know her eventual unfolding of her story with willoughby i think anything like that is completely out of the realm of possibility that she thinks well once you find that you know glorious heroic figure then everything else will just fall into place mm-hmm. yeah it, it she's kind of like someone who has been reading romance yeah and mm-hmm. is just like stuck in that concept of this is how it has to be yeah. um and she wants everything that she touches to sparkle and just gleam and glow and it's just i not don't like i don't that. correct it's not realistic but it's I don't think it's a bad, like you said, I don't think it's a bad thing either to have those hopes and aspirations Mm -hmm. in what you want, but you have to realize that what you want and the like realistic of it all has to blend together. Like it can't just Mm -hmm. be totally one or totally the other. And Um, I think one happens as consequence of the other where you, you can't, I, there's this old Jimmy Stewart movie, Shenandoah, where you know this man's coming to like ask if he can marry his daughter and you know he says do you love her he says yes i do and he says do you like her and he says well i just said i love her and he's like no no there's a big difference and <laughs> yeah. i think that what you can you can love someone without liking them and that's like the very shallow part of like okay well you know you're not actually looking towards the good of the other um but then when you when you like someone first and foremost when they're right. your friend your companion then those sorts of passionate ideals um, can more naturally happen as a consequence of uh, that closeness that you've already connected on. Yeah. And something I really love, and this is why though sentence sensibility is not my absolute favorite. Um, I still think it's worth like really talking about and diving into because Marianne doesn't end up with the passionate love of her life, quote unquote, she ends up with the guy who at first she was not impressed by. Um, and then when she, when she really took the time to get to know him, that's when they fell in love. And that's not often how these types of romantic like 
stories go. It's often the like sparks and butterflies and like kissing and like, oh, the tension. But like here, I think we see an example of a girl who um, could have fallen easily into uh, her passions, but didn't. Which I think is really interesting. And there's nothing wrong with wanting passion in your life. I think it's just, it can't be the only driving force to a marriage, um, which is something that at this time. Or even a relationship in general. Right. At this time, even more so, marriages weren't really about feeling happy all the time. It was about like survival and like (laughs) all of these things, having a family and like watching them grow and succeed. And that's still kind of what a marriage is about. And like her expectation of love is great because it 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 forces her to um, not settle. But at the end of the day, um, you kind of also need like structure and someone you can trust and someone who isn't going to run out on you when they see a hot girl like Willoughby totally would have. Um, and then come back and say, I wish I had you. No, 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 no. made the wrong choice. No, no the no. ship has sailed. Oh, my God. I am so glad that he spoke to Eleanor and not Marianne in that moment because I kind of wonder if she would have taken him back in that moment. Mm. He was already right. married at that point, but you do you do have to wonder where it's like I don't oh. with Marianne's like way, and I do we talk about when he comes back later? Um, I we might, so. but I Marianne is just that type that like could get really easily swept up in some you know fairy tale that a guy spins mm-hmm. for her. So I don't know, but either way, I don't think it's unfair to expect to be loved in like a true and passionate sense. I just think it can't be the only thing there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a nice addition, but it's yeah. it's not the cornerstone. It's like, oh, well, that's like that's a nice thing to you know mix in every once in a while. But right to, to have the idea that like every day is going to be you know out of like you know, the, the last chapter of an Austin novel. Like, yeah, the, no, no, no it's, <laughs> that's not realistic. Yeah, every day is a Hallmark movie, guys. Yes. <laughs> yeah, thank you. That's it. Ew. Ew. <laughs> All right. So how does Marianne's initial meeting with Mr. Willoughby in the rain exemplify her impulsive and passionate nature and what draws her to him? Yeah, I mean, that's I I have a maybe tell me what you guys think, but I think anyone who would have shown up any eligible like even Brandon, I think if Brandon showed up on that would have been swept. Yeah, you think? I think it was it was complete happenstance that it happened to be, you know, a young, attractive guy, like everything that <laughs> she would have hoped for in a man. And then, oh, well, look at that. He's he's got this situation laid out for him. This idealistic young girl is already before she knows anything about him when he's doing a civil service for her. You know, she's automatically she's already in love with him. And yeah. then everything after is just the oh my gosh like we love the same poems we love the same music like that's just feeding into this first this first idea of you know oh look at this man he saved me he fits the criteria in the most shallow and basic sense before they've even come to know each other and i think she's yeah. looking at life through rose-colored glasses from we that point see on. this we see this in so many naive characters in Jane Austen's novels like if you think back to Emma when um Harriet is saved by Mr mm. Knightley she's immediately infatuated by yeah. her knight in shining armor and i think i think maybe or even she's... what's the girl in persuasion that is it oh, oh yes. Louisa 
Yeah, yes. when she's trying to like jump into his arms and yes. I was thinking about that the other day. It's funny how like both Louise, so she jumps off, gets brain injury, and then falls in love with a different guy. And it's, you know, Marianne like gets deathly sick, falls in love with the right guy. Austin's got this thing where like these stubborn, like naive characters, they have to they like need a, come they need a reset. Yeah. Yourself off a wall or like get deathly sick just so you'll find the right guy. I think that's just that's kind of it's funny. It's a very <laughs> funny thing. And that's why I'm like, I think it's maybe she's commenting on like like naive characters in love a little bit. And I think here we're meant to see like Marianne's youth, her, her naivete. I hate this word, but naivete. naivete. I, I literally hate saying it, but um, I think she's, she's showing us here sort of the problem with sensibility um, mm-hmm. in that it comes with this almost youthful, like mm-hmm. not understanding the world around her realistically type person. Um, mm-hmm. But, but yeah, it, it does happen quite quite a bit. Yeah. I feel like and it's just go ahead. No, it's it's not like I don't know, from the start, it's like, okay, you meet Willoughby and it's like it's not discounting him in any way. It's like he could have turned out to be like a very upstanding fella. Yeah. It's it's just that from the start, she was already clouded in her judgment. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of have to like she's traipsing all in versus everyone else who like e- even the people around they're like, Oh yeah, Willoughby's great. But nobody really knows enough about him to make an apt judgment. It's just right. these, you know, oh yeah, it comes from a wealthy family, yada yada yada. But right. mm. yeah, I think the stage is set for her to fall for him too. Like it's it's raining and something happens and there's, there's this knight in shining armor that just comes and sweeps in and saves her. Like it's just this classic um meet cute, if you yeah. want to call it that. It's that- like she's in a story. It's yes. like she's in a romance novel. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what she, she wants. That. She thinks life is all about being in a romance novel. Mm-hmm. And that's what draws her to him is that she's in this clouded vision. Like you were saying, this this jaded or not jaded, uh, this rose-colored vision of what love is. And she falls very quickly for it because that's her that's what she wants. That's what is in her brain that that's what love is. It's this and it's passion. It's beautiful. And it's just all this beautiful nature. Um, And it doesn't help that he like offers her his pony and like, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that's, that's forward. I mean, (laughs) today, if someone did like, Hey, I bought you a car. Yeah. I think there would be a lot of people who are like, hang on. what? what?" (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) Yeah. I don't even have room for a car. Yeah, which is her reason. Like, I don't have space for a pony. <laughs> like, but but I have a servant to take out the car. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can't um, pay you that. No, but so in what ways uh, does Marion's infatuation with Willoughby reflect her belief in the idealistic, romantic notions of love? Uh, well, I guess it's not necessarily explored, but I think it's fair to infer that Marianne like she probably hasn't seen a lot of relationships up close which have ended in a marriage I think the closest she would have seen at this point being still a young girl would have been Eleanor and so her one her perhaps one and only experience with um seeing people come close to love and falling short would be her sister and so Mm. she doesn't necessarily have the example of well, what it should look like at the beginning. So right. she she does get lost in the infatuation. It's it's not to say she's entirely to blame. She's still young. She's mm-hmm. inexperienced. She probably, it doesn't sound like she's had many suitors, if any. And so 
you know, when Willoughby comes in and she's seeing like the end result is you want like all these lovey-dovey emotions shared between you. And on the surface, those can look very great. But then to the experience to, you know, those who have been married for several years, they would speak to something else, but that's not the sort of the, the common um, sort of love that she probably saw in her parents. You know, that's not what she's idealizing. She's idealizing something bigger, something more grand with more spectacle. Like, like you said, Devin, straight out of like the, oh, he rescued me from the rain and mm-hmm. from the trip. Yep. He's bringing me flowers. He's reading me poetry. Like it's getting everything on the surface level. And she's not looking any deeper because she thinks, oh, well, th- this is it. We got it. Clearly, he's showing all the signs. So, <laughs> but then what I think is even crazier is when he just like drops off the face of the earth and she still believes like the best mm-hmm. in him. Like, mm-hmm. this is where Eleanor's sense comes in and she's like, my girl, haven't heard from him for a while. Like, what's going on with you two? And Marianne's just like, it's fine. Like, that is what I see this idealistic, romantic notion of love coming in where she's not taking into account that she doesn't know this man very well. Should she trust him? These are not questions that enter her head. Um, I think it's because of those shallow acts of love that she gets from him off the bat. And that's enough to, like, soothe her into believing that he would never, he would never abandon her. He loves her. It's really sad. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And uh, kind of what Tom was saying, I, I think it's important to note that she is inexperienced with yeah. this realm. She's brand She's just coming of age. We don't really get a sense of what her parents' relationship was really like Mm-mm. because of her, the opening of the novel is that her father's dead. Yeah. So we don't know what her vision of what marriage should look like. Um she's seen some interactions with Eleanor and Edward and that didn't come to fruition. So she's like, okay, I gotta, gotta try something out, spice something up. And I think Willoughby just, like you said, checks all those boxes and does all the right things, says all the right things, but doesn't necessarily have the commitment to investing, investing in her, investing in their relationship. And they're both spitfires when you see like how, you know, she begins to like become a gossip and they're like talk, they're talking bad about Brandon behind his back, Mm -hmm. which Marianne was never complimentary of Brandon, but you can see how like Willoughby's sort of true sense starts to reflect in her. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's this just gradual unfolding. And that's, that's never a good thing when, you know, someone doesn't bring out the better sides of you. And when it's, it's not that she's becoming, um, like she's gaining more sense, uh, like it's um, rubbing off of Eleanor onto her. It's no, she's being indulged in this sensibility and this passion, mm. and she's not being questioned about it, even by her her mother, who's right. just over the moon with Willoughby. Right. That's actually a really good point, that when you look at Willoughby and Colonel Brandon, what they do is bring out the worst and best of the sensibility nature like Mm -hmm. like willoughby really does bring out the worst in marianne and that's because when you do indulge too much in sensibility in the passions and everything you do tend to sort of lean towards these like more vicious like attacks of people and like gossip and like all of these things 
And then when Colonel Brandon is introduced, like he's more like Eleanor. I think they talk about how him and Eleanor really hit it off well too. Yeah. Um, but it's it's that sort of steady presence, that virtuous presence, the one that has more sense and takes more time. Um, that I think balances out her. And that's what's interesting too, when you even compare the two relationships. Edward and Eleanor are both kind of too sensible. And but but Marianne and Colonel Brandon are not both too passionate. Like mm-hmm. he is still sort of like a cooler for her a little bit. A balance. Um yeah. No, yeah. I think you you bring up a good point as well because like in high school, which is what I kind of compared Marianne to is the high school love, you when you start relationships with another high schooler like you kind of try and match their likes mm-hmm. right even though you might not change fully, yourself yeah not that you change but that you you tend to agree more because oh this is what they like so yeah i guess i can kind of like that too um you kind of change your um, initial perceptions of things um just because you feel like that's what you're supposed to do in a relationship is just like, oh, yeah, I agree with everything you agree with kind of deal. Um, so it's interesting to see that happen with Marianne as well. Like you said, is that she brings out this side of her that is a part of her, but like becomes much more prevalent as her interaction with Willoughby becomes more um, frequent. Um yeah, they're not growing together. They're like changing by one another, but they're changing mm. for yeah. one another, which, which isn't a healthy hallmark when, mm-hmm. you know, I, I hadn't even really thought of it through that lens of like, oh, like she's like, now I'm questioning everything when she says like, oh, we love the same, you know, this, that, this, that. Like, <laughs> do you? Gotta do wonder, you? <laughs> you got to wonder if it's like, okay, you, you're, you're probably like fibbing a bit. Like, there's no way you love like every single, you know, mm-hmm. sonnet right. from the same book. He loves the same flowers I do. Oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, eventually, Willoughby has a sudden departure. And how does this departure and eventual engagement with Mrs. with Miss Gray shatter Marianne's romantic ideals and highlight the dangers of impulsive affection? Mm-hmm. I mean, from from the start i don't know that anyone really saw like okay well what is this where are these two supposed to look like at the end of the road like they skipped a lot of steps mm-hmm. went straight mm-hmm. to the infatuated side of things and so you know the moment that willoughby disappears like he, he ghosted her essentially um she doesn't hear a word from him and she's in this utter state of denial steph you said it like perfectly where she's just, like she's making excuses for him there's no valid reason for any of it, but she's become so enthralled by this idea of him that she's not willing to sacrifice it or to admit that, you know, anything less than, you know, like love is at the end of this road. And she even admits that like, he never said that he loved her. It was always implied, Mm. but that he never actually took that step. And it's not to say that he didn't, a a part of him like truly love her i think we see sort of towards the end of the uh story that he does truly care about her he saw the real qualities and i i think that like in a way if it weren't for his financial situation if it weren't for like his um his happenings before he met her 
that caused him to like lose his inheritance and all that. Right. He hadn't been thrust into the arms of Miss Gray because he's he cares more about the money right, than about Marianne. Necessity. Right. And it's it's not an excuse. It's a real skeevy thing to do. Yeah. Um but you almost have to wonder <laughs> like he I think he would have been better off had he stayed with Marianne. I think he, he would have eventually been happier and I think sort of towards the end we see that he's come to he recognize to that, that realization. Yeah. yeah. Even after he's married, he realizes he's that he sacrificed. Idiot. Yeah, he is. And so, you know, it's, I guess like it's, that's talking more about Willoughby's side of things, but right. then we see Marianne who's now, now everyone has nothing but sad things to say about her. Like, Oh my gosh, her heart's broken. And you know, she was once revered among the yeah. Dashwood sisters. And now she's this, emblem of pity for everyone which mm-hmm. can't yeah. help her self-esteem and isn't it sad that like like th- this getting... is what tears, tears her down yes this is what <laughs> tears her down and this is what everyone cares about this is what the ton society cares about is oh my gosh she's had her heart broken she's going to like never recover like yeah. this is what the culture was all based around was this like gossipy like who's gonna marry who like blah 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 and then once you're off the market or once you've had something happen people are like not interested in your story they just pity you essentially mm-hmm. um but anyway the dangers of an impulsive affection well in her case the highs are the high or the highs are high and the lows are low so like marianne really sinks here because she believes that she's experienced like the highest of high love and then she is betrayed by someone that she thought was like the perfect knight in shining armor so we see her like descend into like what i would consider a little bit of madness like all right we've all had our hearts broken in the past but you're not like on death's door because of it or at least most people are not like she literally loses like her will and it's just sort of like this crazy thing but that's the danger of it is she didn't even secure herself enough by really getting to know who willoughby was as a person because if she did she may have learned that he's not really the strong type of character who would marry her whether or not he had the money and the ability to do so Mm -hmm. Um, so just spending that extra time to really get to know the person's character would have saved her a lot of heartbreak but again she's young this is her first heartbreak so Mm -hmm. she feels it intensely no matter what but when you add this added impulsive like high sensibility type of emotion to it um it's even harder to get over something like this so yeah the the highs are high the lows are low and it's it's also not like her her life is over that's what she's being told and everything but then like the entire story brandon is there he's you know he's Mm -hmm. wanting to see her he visits several times and she won't see him and it's it's a real like okay well she is she's blinded by her own affections her own infatuations she's not even she's not even contemplating okay this was a heartbreak you're going to move on you're going to find someone else she's not even entertaining the idea of this it's willoughby or it's nothing nothing Nothing. yeah and it's interesting to see that she had so much hope in him and so much faith in him that i think 
the distance between them for that amount of time and not knowing anything and hearing these rumors and hearing these rumors and not and still having hope and faith and hope and faith really deterred her so much that she just becomes this crumbling mess Mm -hmm. um and can't necessarily find her own foundation anymore um that this one person could ruin her so quickly um I think it's kind of devastating to Mm -hmm. see, but also surprising that she put so much faith in someone that when that faith is removed, that she's the one that gets hurt in the end. Yeah. Um, Well, yeah, I think it is, it does show her impulsive nature and jumping first and then thinking about it later. Um, She's just much more of that passion seeker that thrill seeker and mm-hmm. willoughby filled those pieces until he wasn't there anymore um mm-hmm. well let's 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 talk about willoughby <laughs> let's give him his moment in the sun before i trash him and leave him in the trash <laughs> okay so do we have any sympathy for willoughby None. Nope. He says no. <laughs> <laughs> I stupid. <laughs> I think like I have sympathy for him as insofar as he also was kind of naive and rash in his decision making. Well, sure. But mm-hmm. he really drug her through the mud to figure that out for himself. So I I I don't really have sympathy for him, but I do understand that he was also kind of driven by doesn't he have like a terrible family and all of that or who am i thinking of am i thinking of i'm thinking of edward i'm thinking of edward yeah so willoughby i think in this time period like money was a really important thing yeah i think he was selfish i think he was selfish he didn't come to the realization until the end that like oh maybe i could have made this work and now i'm devastated because you're the person i'm supposed to be with and now I'm sad. I'm never going to be happy ever again. And this is just the, yeah. I think he's just filled with this sensibility that he is all about this passion. And I can never have that same passion that I had with yeah. Marianne and mm-hmm. which is truthfully, honestly a disservice to his now wife. Like how dare yes. you talk to yeah. about this? Truthfully, <laughs> like, he never should have been engaging with Marianne the way he was if he didn't know he was ready. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. So but I guess then I when you also look at his happenings with Eliza beforehand, before anything with Marianne unfolds, and the re- I, I have I have no sympathy for him for yeah. <laughs> for that reason because he was, he was never actually open and honest with Marianne had Eliza not gotten pregnant. He never would have told Marianne anything. He, That's true. You know, and then the moment his the consequences of his actions catch up with him, the moment he loses all you know all money to his name, he is then okay. Well, his first inclination isn't well. I need to explain this to Marianne. I need to explain. No, I I truly love you. No, his first inclination is show me the money. It's hey, yeah. great. <laughs> let's let's you know let's tie the knot. And so at the end of the book you can see that he's if he could go back and change it i think he would 
he would try to salvage things with Marianne. Too late. Yeah, that's the thing. Too it's, late, okay, sir. Well, you've run the race. <laughs> you you know in hindsight that your decisions weren't good, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to pity you for the decisions you made because you made them along the way, yeah. and now you're going to have to live with that. And he's hurt three women along the way, Eliza, <laughs> Marianne, and yeah, his wife, who... It's, it's not it's not the most like oh of the time period it's not the worst thing to say i married her for the money i a lot of other men would have but it's not that's like two and a half like really skeevy things for this time period and three if you count it the <laughs> 2023 well i, I guess you've convinced me no sympathy and ultimately i yeah. think what what made me think about it was that eleanor sort of started having sympathy for him mm. towards the end of his story but but still like Eleanor even admits he was a very persuasive devil. Right. So, like, it's very interesting to see yeah. how quickly she goes from "I hate you" to like, "Oh, maybe I kind of like, right. understand where you're coming but from." But then she but even says she's like, "Come on, this is the same Willoughby who like just persuaded me and Marianne to like think he was a gentleman." So, like, mm-hmm. I think that she has like an arm's length, like. Okay, Willoughby, I accept yeah. your story, but get the hell out of my house, basically. Um, oh, I forgot a fourth, the child. Sorry, just wanted to throw yeah. that in. So oh, four, and four the child. are just like, it's, I'm sorry. We, You guys need to have like an episode where you just rate the 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 worst. The worst I, I, suitors. I, I hesitate to call them like antagonists, but just like you've got the Mr. Collins, you've got Willoughby, oh. you've got Wickham, Thorpe. That's a great idea. That is once we've finished our like Jane Austen tour, Devin, we should definitely bring in the worst (laughs) suitors and and rate them. Yeah. That we ship them away. Yeah. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. All right. What's next? Oh, I I I think I read the last question, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh think so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so how does Colonel Brandon now we're gonna talk about this guy? Um, which honestly, I feel like Colonel Brandon is just a side character the entire mm-hmm. time. I don't feel like we get a good enough picture of who he is till the fully end. until the very mm-hmm. end. And that's where I'm like, I don't know how I feel about this. But mm. how does Colonel Brandon's backstory, particularly his past skip relationship one. with a dice skip one? Oh, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. <laughs> how does Marianne initially view Colonel Brandon's <laughs> attentions and why does she dismiss him as a potential romantic partner? Well, again, you've, it's what was her downfall with Willoughby was what kept her from even considering Brandon, which is the, the surface level things. She's 18. I think he's 35. Woo! So, okay. This, there's a, there's a hefty gap there. Today, it's like, eh, and then it didn't help that Alan Rickman, when he played, I know. Brandon, he was like 50 when I he know. did that. I had to look it up. It's like, that doesn't help matter. That's no. crazy. But then when you when you set aside that stuff, because it, a lot of everyone else, everyone aside from Marianne was willing to set those aspects aside. Um, it is his reserve. It's his um, he's holding back a bit on um, nurturing the, the impulsive side of Marianne. He finds it attractive, but he doesn't feel like he can mirror that because he's seen the fruits of that in his former love in you know eliza and it's it's not it, it the tragedy there um he's worried that that will happen to marianne and he even starts to see it uh from the side of when she's infatuated with willoughby 
he doesn't feel like he can speak up about it, but mm. he's seeing the same thing sort of unfold. And I, I think it, it is like those, okay, well, Marianne immediately fell for Willoughby because the circumstances are right. And then the moment Brandon complains about, you know, a, a cold draft or w- whatever it was, like his waistcoat, but the moment he, you know, sort of oh, strikes a nerve or, oh, that's not like super attractive. He's a little older or he doesn't, you know, he doesn't speak with passion like Willoughby does. It's immediately, nope, he, he's dismissed immediately. She she's not, yeah, she's not giving him a second look. It's first impressions are very important to Marianne. I think that's the kind of thing that we see immediately throughout all this. It's, she judged Edward very quickly, Brandon, Willoughby, and she, I don't know if she was ever really right in those. Um, I, I Maybe right and wrong is the w- wrong way to look at it, but it does hold her back from actually recognizing the true character of some of these mm-hmm. uh, people. Yeah, I love That's how you point. called him the plain bagel. That's what I'm going back. <laughs> the metaphor. Like she views him as the plain <laughs> bagel. And it's like, yeah, you're sort of right about that. Um, I tend to, and Devin knows this, I tend to love this type of relationship when it comes to Jane and Rochester in Jane Eyre, when it comes to all of these like older guys been through some, some stuff. We're not going to curse today, Devin. No, we are not. (laughs) Um, And then these like young girls that like sort of not in a creepy way, you know what I'm saying? Although Devin would argue Jane and Rochester is creepy, but in this time it's like a youthful, like, just like loving, passionate young woman who like reinvigorates this guy. Love it. Love it. Think it's a great mm-hmm. trope. But I understand the reserves with someone like Marianne because she's so driven by her passion. So when she sees this older guy who's sort of reserved and he's sort of like not confident, like he's not the most confident man either. That's, I think that's yeah. like what her struggle is because he even says, why would someone like Marianne Dashwood ever look at me? and and that's really sad like you might see that as a very humble perspective but in her opinion she wants a man to like express all the best like qualities of himself and like present himself and pour himself out and be like i love you and blah blah blah. and colonel brandon's just not like that character Mm -hmm. um so i think that's why she dismisses him it's it's kind of sad because it's clear that he really has an affection for her and understands her heart a lot better than willoughby does Mm -hmm. um but i think it's just the drastic departure of willoughby and colonel brandon they're just two distinct different guys and one immediately attracts um the attention of Marianne and because she's so attracted to this one she can't even fathom liking the other one yeah um Mm -hmm. because they're just like I said just two separate entities like oil and water kind of deal um and I think you're right that he's not he's not as vocal he's not as confident uh and because of these things he's like dust under a rug to her uh, mm. he de- she doesn't necessarily see him for who he is he just sees what he's projecting um so i think that's kind of and like you said at first impressions matter to marianne and because that's what she sees that's all she's gonna get until later on when they're forced to spend a little bit more time together we're not necessarily forced but they have those opportunities of being together more often mm-hmm 
Yeah, they never really, it's, I, I guess Marion never takes the opportunity to really get to know about Brandon, about like maybe right. why is he like that? You've got the gossips who are like talking behind his back about, you know, Brandon's history. And so Eleanor understands it a lot more than Marianne does, but Marianne never so much as, you know, looks towards um, actually like finding out, okay, well, well, why is this? Like maybe why is he more reserved? And I think if she had heard his story, maybe she would have gained a little more sense to begin with. Maybe she would have had more inklings towards like how to look towards her relationship with Willoughby as it was unfolding. Mm -hmm. I see a parallel between the Darcy Wickham story, the guy that comes across as like beautiful and just like confident and all of these things, but he really has like a shady background. And then like the Darcy, like socially awkward, like just, not really very like like impressive monetary wise in that case but like not really like able to impress the ladies necessarily and not like super good at it um but you see this sort of trope in it throughout austin's work um it's not the guy who's out there like promoting himself and like with the prettiest hairdo that like knows stuff about buttons and like dresses that is going to be the one that like sweeps you off your feet in the end um so i do i see that parallel too i just want to note really quickly that when steph said oh jane and rochester like totally fine if i steph if i ever lock my wife in the <laughs> attic it's it's just <laughs> nice to know that you won't see any red flags no you won't red see, yeah, there's no red flags there yeah, not at all. i think this is the issue. Oh, don't get me started on Jane Eyre. Uh, I think that was one of our first episodes. And Devin and I had a sure. huge disagreement because obviously more than a red flag in that case. Um, <laughs> like You don't whoa. say. <laughs> um, I just, I love their relationship and I hate that part of the story. But don't, don't at me. Wow, Tom. Wow. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> all right no jane and rochester and no, i will aside. not reference them anymore <laughs> last, um, last one, yeah yes so <laughs> how does colonel brandon's backstory particularly his past relationship with eliza williams shape his behavior and intentions toward marianne i mean the same reason that he he's attracted to her because they they exemplify the same qualities and so you can see why he's naturally um like e even throughout all this with no um promotion of affection on marianne's side she's not giving him any signals whatsoever he's still throughout the book just sort of like this um stoic he's he, he cares for her and so but he also doesn't feel like it's his place to say you you can't you know go after willoughby right it's not good for you and it's not his place to say it um but i think that's why we see him speaking so much more to Eleanor throughout this story, because I think they they I, I they hit it off pretty well actually. I, they have I an understanding. They yeah. ha they have an understanding, and it I guess you it is more of a friendship than anything. But I think they understand mm -hmm. one another, and Eleanor even empathizes because I think at a mm -hmm. certain point she sees that well Willoughby isn't good for Marianne. Someone like Brandon would be would be would be yeah, and it's but he can't say that directly. He's and when he finds out that they're supposedly engaged, all he can say is, I hope he endeavors to deserve her. And yes, he's, he's taking the L, 
he cares about her. And, yeah, he, he is. <laughs> but what what I love about these stories is I, I think like in most, if not all the cases, like when there's a profession of love, it's immediately followed by a proposal. Yeah. And Brandon, like if he had any inclination that Marianne would say yes, he would declare his love and propose to her, but he's Go held right back yeah. by this social cultural norm yeah. of no, you can't. It, like if you love someone, you're going to marry them. But he knows that he could never um, like get Marianne when Willoughby's in the picture. And so all he can really do is hope that... And when he knows what Willoughby has done as well, all he can do is hope that Marianne comes to her senses through the people around her whose opinions matter the most. See me for who I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> this story, though, it gives us like a whole bunch of perspective on Colonel Brandon and who he is and like I actually think it's sort of a beautiful like like it's inspiration kind of of, like Valjean right yeah it's like it's mm. like a it takes him and carries him through like his feelings for her it's actually my one reservation about Colonel Brandon's feelings for Marianne and that's only because I, I do think in the end like we get he he shows that he cares for her but um it it almost feels like maybe he's like trying to make up for something that he feels he's failed in the past um and maybe like when i first heard this part of the story i was like could it be that he's just like putting marianne into eliza's shoes here and trying to like make up for it or something like it just gave me a reservation but then like through the time that they spend together after we learn about this um and how he takes care of her and kind of dotes on her i lose that reservation but i think like a lot of people listen to the story and they're like oh so sweet but for me it was like i'm a little concerned that he's just there's some hesitation seeing eliza in this girl he's projecting onto her right right Mm -hmm. and marianne is like able to take care of herself like she's not going to fall into that situation that's why like i don't know i don't know at first i was like a little bit of a yellow flag here but i think he ends <laughs> but up not the red himself. flag yeah just exactly. a yellow one yeah. <laughs> no i agree it, and it is interesting to see his if he says it he's going to do it Mm-hmm. Like that's his character. Um, he is very honorable. He's very trustworthy. Um, and I think he's, he hopes that his actions will speak for his words that aren't said mm-hmm. because he's not that vocal person. He's hoping that if I do things, she'll notice say, me. If, correct. Yeah. Like my actions will speak louder than my words. Mm-hmm. Um, and it works out in his favor, but man, that's a lot of that's a, a lot, lot of work. It was a very passive approach he yes. took, and it's I mean, like even when you know Elizabeth was livid at Darcy, he still showed up and yeah, and drove her crazy. But I don't know. It's yeah, I, yeah. That is he, one thing where he's very patient, very humble. You sort willing, of wonder to, why willing he to wait it out. You sort of wonder why he doesn't tell her, like, warn her about Willoughby. Uh, like, would it just have come across as, like, he's trying to, like... Jealousy make... or... Yeah. yeah, I don't know. But, like, if you really love someone and you don't want her to go through what Eliza went through, wouldn't you protect her from someone like that and not just well, let it happen? That's the thing, yeah, because it's the timeline is they're supposedly engaged. He finds out about 
Eliza Jr. and all that. And it, it that's that's always been one thing that I didn't understand either. And it is maybe he thought that, you know, from his perspective, like, okay, well, that's going to come off as like, you know, oh, I'm just trying to get her to pick me. I, I don't think anyone would see it as that. That's the only reason I can possibly come up with. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's there's so little interaction between Marianne and Brandon. It's it's very hard to follow along as the reader yeah. or as the observer when it's okay, well, there's there's so little going on. And I suppose they don't have that relationship where he can bring it to her, which is why her, he does yeah. bring it to Eleanor. The question is why not sooner? True. That's the question. That is the question. All right. Yeah. So let's dive in a bit more. Um, why am I blanking on which one we're on? We're on nine, nine. I think. Nine. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> for like, some reason, wait. I scrolled down and I was like, Did we do that one? okay. In what ways does Colonel Brandon's unrequited love for Marianne throughout the novel showcase his resilience and devotion? We were kind of already dabbling at this a little bit mm-hmm. yeah dabbling just just a smidge um, <laughs> just a smidge <laughs> i mean it is resilience and devotion it, it certainly parts that you also have to wonder if it's in another part just stubbornness um because like it, it doesn't seem like he's not the type who would tie himself or tie his heart to any you know woman very quickly i think it's more like okay he's once he's committed to this or once he's seen those attributes um, in Marion, which whether it's at the beginning, like whether it's true affection he feels or stuff like you um, like kind of suspected, like maybe it's more that he sees um, a piece of Eliza and he's projecting onto her. So he's, mm. he's more taken with her because she resembles the idea of what Eliza was to him at one point. So maybe it's like equal parts that, um, but then another part is like, he, he doesn't have any reason to forfeit it necessarily because it's it's not like he's okay well i'll go find someone else he's not on the search for love he's he just sort of resembles this lonely man he thought that he loved once he did and then everything went wrong there mm-hmm. and it's perhaps the idea of you know going through something like that again with it not working that is even more detrimental to him than um actually you know taking the risk and going for love Hmm. I would say like unrequited love is such a difficult topic for like for me to think about because I don't really necessarily know if it demonstrates resilience and devotion. The feelings you have towards someone else like aren't necessarily always something you can help. And I think that with him, you almost he he almost is just so enthralled by her every time he sees her even if he didn't want to have the feelings i don't know if he'd be able to get rid of them mm-hmm. um but at the end of the day i think his actions speak louder than um his words that he like mentions to eleanor or whatever like i think that the way he acts towards marianne showcase his resilience and devotion that whether or not she's gonna you know engage herself to willoughby he's still going to like want what's best for her and be there for her and um i I think that those actions better showcase it um his passion and feelings towards her you can't really necessarily help those and i was listening to something today some poem 
about unrequited love and how it's actually not like the healthiest thing in the world to hang on to something like that. So mm-hmm. I, I, because ultimately like what you're doing is forcing like, it's almost making someone else out to be the bad guy just because they don't, they don't feel the same way that you do. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And even though in this case, Marianne really was right for Brandon and, you know, wasn't right with Willoughby um, unrequited love, if not ever returned, like could have, could have really detrimental impacts on you and the person that you're almost imposing it mm-hmm. upon. So that's something mm-hmm. that in these like stories of like desire and hope for someone else who doesn't love you back. Like I sometimes just, and maybe I sound like a boring, like non-romantic person right now, but um, cause I love a good romance unrequited love story, but I do think like sometimes it sets up this expectation that if you continue holding on and fighting, it'll eventually happen. And it's like, that's not always the way that it happens. And that's a really sort of like not great headspace to encourage young women or men to be in. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, sorry to be a bummer with my answer. <laughs> but I do think that like <laughs> Colonel Brandon is good about it. He's not like a stalker who's like, Marianne, I'll love you forever. Like blah, blah, blah. I'll He's very like reserved. <laughs> yeah. And he like treats her with respect as her own person. So I like that. Yeah, I, I do agree that unrequited love has a tendency to become dangerous. You put your life on hold for someone, you wait out and you question how long are you going to wait for this person to reciprocate those feelings? Right. Um, it is harder to, um, it's, it's harder to root for when you don't have um, sort of any building blocks to presume that it, that could ever change. And I think right. that if yeah, I were to was, say one thing about the end result of Marianne and Brandon, it's that we didn't really get to see a lot of those, like the the shifts in um like Marianne's sensibility we didn't get to see really any inclinations that she was ever going to change her demeanor mm-hmm. towards him and perhaps that's more because Willby was in the picture and she was blinded mm-hmm. to everything else but at the same time it's for those unrequited stories that you kind of root for and you root against your better self because you know you want it to happen even if you think like necessarily it's not a great idea to hold out for someone to change um, when you think like, oh, well, all they have to do is change and they'll realize it. Right. It's, it's not always a healthy thing to root for, but I think the cases where we find ourselves doing that are where we already see. We're given those, inklings. Yeah, we're given those inklings where it's like we have reason to propose that one or both might change their demeanor towards one another. And I, I didn't see that in Sense of Sensibility as much as I would have liked to with Mary. Yeah, I agree. That's a I good think point. he was playing a dangerous game of putting mm-hmm. too much stock in one person uh, who might, who might never reciprocate, uh, who might never um, see him for who he is. I, right. And like you said, he was very passive in his nature of acquiring that love. Um, so yeah, that is definitely something to question and uh, consider to be a little dangerous. I bummed it out. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> but let's let's talk about our favorite guy again here. What impact does Marianne's heartbreak over Mr. Frickin' Willoughby have on her perspective on love and relationships? And how does it contribute to her personal growth? She wouldn't have really grown at all if she hadn't had this sort of outlook i i think if willoughby 
if they had ended up, you know, getting together and staying together, she wouldn't have really become a woman. She would have been, I think, much more like Mrs. Palmer, who's just sort of like doting after her husband. And you could see, I think you could see Willoughby just kind of like becoming. I the, love that relationship. Right. I'm okay. Sorry, but it's they're really like funny. But Mrs. Palmer, she's like, oh, and then Mr. Palmer is just this, uh, like, they're, I think they would have been <laughs> such opposites had they stayed together. I don't think Marianne ever would have truly grown up no. and grown into the sort of, to to uh, adapt some of the sense that Eleanor has, um, you know, shown her is I, I have a hard time thinking that she would have been better off if she had I think that Willoughby's experience with her, I think that did a, a good job for her to actually mature through it. I don't know that she could have like really ended up in a happy marriage if she hadn't right. been through a sort of toil like that to teach her. It, it's not fun, but mm. I do think it's it highlights you know the the best and worst that she now realizes will actually you know carry her through a, a loving relationship. Mm-hmm. Highlighting Mrs. Popper just for a moment because it's hilarious. <laughs> Honestly, I I just love that she's so self aware of her husband being like that. Like, <laughs> yes. he he's kind of crappy. I'm not gonna lie. Like, he's kind of a crappy guy. He just sits there like, uh. But she's always like, oh, my husband always like grunts and like sits there and does nothing. <laughs> yeah, because she's she's going on and on and on and on, and then he'll just like have one throwaway comment yeah. where it's just like and she completely brushed it off yeah she's like oh whatever you know but it's like it's just funny like because in some of those types of relationships you tend to see it like really break down both of the the people but mrs palmer just like doesn't give a crap she like knows and she's like whatever um but anyway tangent on mrs palmer i forgot about her when you <laughs> mentioned her i was like oh yeah um but yeah you're right there would have been no no real growth without this moment with Willoughby. Um, huge, hugely important part of the plot. Like he was a plot device and just mm-hmm. everything. Like she, Marianne wouldn't have understood the problem with her passions reigning over her all the time if it wasn't for her experience with him. So mm-hmm. I think that's a huge part of like the moral character of this book is just obviously sense and sensibility. And here's what happens when you go too crazy um yeah so. the cautionary tale in, in a sense yeah mm-hmm. yeah and i think she mm-hmm. needed something to shock her out of her stupor like she needed something to drastically shake her and wake her up in a sense um and i think willoughby uh, he's considered the antagonist but is he the antagonist mm. i don't know like oh I think Steph had it right. I think he's he's, a, he's the plot device. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a plot. He's a plot element. Uh, he that's all his character is for is just like yeah, you meet, meet cute, starting a relationship. I'm gonna leave you and then come back and say like, hey, <laughs> back again. <laughs> I want you back, but I'm also married at the same time. So, <laughs> um, I think he he's kind of like you said, a plot device that just is meant for the the growth the ferment for the the change um and it works so <laughs> i guess that's a plus <laughs> um but you're right i think she 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 needed to experience something to mm-hmm. break her out mm. yep so 
do we have any favorite or least favorite moments between these two these two being colonel brandon and uh our dear marianne so my my favorite moment it's i i've seen like the film i saw the bbc version it's i don't think it's very well reflected there but like the footnote it's like the second to last page of sensibility i think they mentioned that once they got married once marianne and brandon got married then he sort of regained this sort of liveliness and this you know wonder like he was all of a sudden like very passionate in everything he did and then you know marianne like fell in love with him as much as Mm -hmm. she ever did with willoughby and i think that's a beautiful expression of yeah if marianne had like given him a chance earlier i think he would have regained some of that a lot earlier Mm -hmm. and she would have found like oh yeah it was like it was me who brought that out in him as well as some of his sense would have reflected on her very well so i think that's Mm -hmm. that's a much better dichotomy of growing with one another rather than marianne's sort of like changing to be um you know like more impulsive and more um you know just uh, the this young uh you know infatuated girl like she was with willoughby so um that as far as like a favorite moment i think that's just that's a wonderful reflect reflection of it in terms of my least favorite thing um i do think that it's it bothers me how little we saw of that leading up and it, it would have been nice to see more interactions between them even after even if it were just after the uh the revelation of willoughby's past i think that would have been nice to see them sort of start to become friends but marianne was still in this you know devastated place and she's she's warmed up to him a bit because he's been honest with her and he cares about her but she's still sort of closed off from him and i it's it's hard to follow along with the steps when you know it's like okay well how many you know times have they really talked with one another yeah Mm. that's my thing that's difficult it's like in the book you just don't get as much uh, emotion as you get in the movie and barely there too it's like a hard it's a hard story to really like to like ogle over the romance you know what i mean like if we would have got one good scene of them really really getting to know each other that would have been great i think in the movie what i maybe not even in the movie he he comes to see her when she's like sick right and it's yeah. like he just like shows up out of nowhere so that's what i'm thinking of is like my favorite is like he can't even help himself like like it's sort of funny like how much he kind of adores this young woman who like hasn't really given him the time of day but when when she's struggling and suffering like he's there like he's just yeah there and he's not yeah he's not Mm -hmm. necessarily there with like all the words of like a poet and like whatever but he's he's there and that was a moment that like stood out to me was when it's like Eleanor and her mother with Marianne who's suffering. Mm-hmm. There's also Colonel Brandon. It demonstrates kind of always there. Yeah. That's yeah. like my favorite part of his character. Um, but I would say like, there are some moments in the movie where he's like reading to her that I think are really sweet. But we don't really get a ton of that in the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think my favorite part too. is, my favorite part is like when he goes to see her and he's just like, how's the invalid? And it's yes! what an opening uh, line for like, you ever want to swoon a woman? Just call her an invalid. <laughs> I call her Amen. Invalid. Yeah, I'll be honest. I never, uh, I didn't see the movie or the BBC series. So I can't we necessarily tried. comment on those pieces. <laughs> but 
Um, I will, I will agree with Tom. That was what I was going to bring up is that the, I, the last page or so, whatever it comments about the growth that, um, Colonel and Brandon experiences, um, from their relationship that they, they are bringing about the goodness, the joy of each other and mm. bringing back this joy, um, of, just what love is meant to be. Uh, I think that is very interesting to see how much they help each other out of their darkness, out of by showing each other lights. Mm -hmm. um, granted, as you also mentioned, we don't see a lot of that growth, and I—that's where I am most disappointed in. Right. This because you really want to with these two, like Edward and Eleanor, I think are a little bit boring, but with these two, like. <laughs> I kind of want to see their romance like blossom. It seems like they really care for each other, but yeah, um, I, I felt like even though Eleanor was the protagonist of the story, like I cared more about Marianne's relationship than I cared too. about Eleanor's relationship. <laughs> yeah, Marianne's is always like front and center, and Eleanor's is like happening on the side. You're there, mm -hmm. but. Yeah, but you're like, and that and that demonstrates how the world revolves around Marianne and everything's about Marianne, whereas oh, Eleanor's wow. pushed to the side Look as well. Look at him but... go! <laughs> Look at <that laughs> connection. Wait, that's brilliant. I love Fourth that. wall break. Even, Get wow. the hell out. Even but, cared more about so, <laughs> That's hilarious. Are, is this Austin's way of making us care yes. more about it? <laughs> that's great. So this was I, again, the first I just, book she wrote. And so if anything, like she would is? appeal more to Marianne. Yeah, this was the first. Wow. This was the first published, I should say. I did not know that. Very cool. Um, yep. but yeah, I I feel like there's a lack of connection between them because I don't get enough of them. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, last kind of like content question we have here: How does Marianne's illness and near death experience impact her perception of Colonel Brandon's character and the depth of his feelings for her? We kind of talked about this already, but if we there was any bit, other yeah. insight. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is, like, you could say that it was brought about just, like, through her devastation, like, the the slow wilting of, like, her, her spirit as well as her body was in part, at least, like, impacted by Willoughby. And maybe it was, like, a part of it was just, like, she's, she's not, she doesn't have any reason that she can see to move forward. And so it's not even after Willoughby's out of the picture that she can heal and move on like she's she's almost like going out of her way to hurt herself and mm -hmm. to just like it's a little freaky it is and it's it's that wallowing um that she doesn't see anything beyond willoughby that's really breaking her spirit and it's it's not doing her any favors mm -hmm. but then you know rising up and you know moving on after that she does you know come more to her senses um with eleanor she she appreciates where eleanor has been like this whole time that she's been going through her own you know deals of, with heartbreak and eleanor didn't feel like she could open up about it and I, I think she empathizes a lot more with her after that after seeing how she dealt with it and that her heartbreak went almost unnoticed which in itself that's that's not necessarily a healthy thing either but that these sisters are kind of learning from each other that you know, Eleanor can stand to express herself a bit more and Marianne can stand to take a more matured approach towards love and affection. There's a moment where Colonel Brandon saves her, right? That's 
I'm thinking of this properly from she was in the rain. He picks her up. That happens. I'm trying to remember if that's, I I don't know if it's explicitly said in the books, but it's in the the movie. It is. Uh, I think that's a good way of, you know, kind of expressing is that like, yeah, he did come along. It's not necessarily that, that wins over in her favor, but it is the idea that, you know, Hey, he, he, still did, has he did what anyone would have done. Right. And I think she just shows like genuine appreciation for right. that as well as, you know, when he is, when she's sick, he's going out of his way. Right. So like, Hey, what can I do? Can I bring the family well, here? What's interesting. I know it's, I don't know if it's in the book, but what is interesting about that scene is that it gives you a little bit of like a, Ooh, like Colonel Brandon also has like that white knight, you know, thing to him. But he sticks around to be afterwards. A mirror of Willoughby. I think so because what happens in the movie is she like falls in the rain. She's like walking out there, basically trying to like end her life, from what I understand. And he, she like goes to Willoughby's house or something, and Colonel Brandon finds her. Um, so I don't know. Like I don't know if that. I don't remember, but it like is in my head that scene um, from the movie. And all I know is it's sort of like, well, Colonel Brandon sticks around afterwards mm-hmm. and will and shows doesn't. his faithfulness. Right. Which so yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he's not getting anything from it. Willoughby saves no. this young girl and wins her favor. And Brandon, like he has no reason to expect that he has, you know, anything to gain from mm-hmm. Marianne. He he genuinely just cares about her. Yeah. And so like, yeah, he goes out in search of her because he cares, not because he expects anything from it. Right. Right. I have nothing to add. Sorry. Yeah. Well, before we go into the last question, I wanted to ask Tom, what is your favorite Austin novel and who your favorite Austin couple is? Well, they go hand in hand, of course. Oh. I, I suppose you you can have differing opinions, I'm sure. Well, like objectively speaking, you know, they're couples and all that. Right. Um, but favorite book, favorite couple, uh, hands down goes to Persuasion. Uh, as well as Anne and Wentworth. Um, Several reasons. I'll try to keep it brief, but when you, (laughs) so I I love that. I think that if Jane Austen, I think if she could be on the We Ship It podcast as well, (laughs) I think she would give a similar answer if you spoke to her um, in her latter age. So like I said, Mm -hmm. sensibility, Pride and Prejudice, Emma, all of these have very young heroines uh, at their core, and many of them are seeking the sort of idealistic romances that young women aspire to which fits in the timeline of when jane wrote these books um it's completely understandable and there's a lot to be cherished in those um persuasion was the last book that she finished before her death and i think it's the one that most closely resembles her own story we don't know a lot about her personal story but um it's speculated widely that uh, she was, in fact, Jane was engaged, um, mm-hmm. that perhaps she forfeited that engagement for one reason or another. Becoming um, Jane. Have you yeah. watched that movie? I, I have. Yeah. Um, and it's I forget James McAvoy. Jane yes. Austen was married James McAvoy, I suppose. Um, and but then what we do know to be factual is that uh, her niece, uh, Fanny, actually was in the situation where she um entered a long engagement with a man i think it was like eight years or so um he didn't have any money to his name he didn't have title so this fanny was intending to marry beneath her status and Mm -hmm. 
She was hearing contrary opinions from everyone around her. And she asked her aunt, Jane, what do I do? And Jane Austen did not want to give her an answer of what she should do. She didn't want to persuade her in any way, because that's the sort of thing that if you come to regret that decision, and if someone influences you against your better inclinations, that can haunt you for a very long time. And that's exactly the story. That's persuasion. That's persuasion. That's Anne and Wentworth. They had everything. They had love. And I love that it's it's so different from the other Austen novels where those are about finding love. You start persuasion and Anne found love and she gave it up because she was persuaded against her better inclination. She would have married Wentworth um, even without a penny to his name, but her friends and family uh, coerced persuaded her. her. Mm-hmm. They persuaded her to give him up saying, well, you know, you're this young girl of fortune. You're like 19. You've got your life ahead of you. And eight years passed and she's still heartbroken over this decision. Over and then and everything's swapped. Wentworth comes back. He's a wealthy captain. He's got everyone is fawning over him, trying to get him married off. And again, I love these social cultural norms where like nobody is allowed to speak openly or they're not like really permitted by their culture to speak openly about what's happened. So no one outside of, I think, like Lady Russell even knows what Anne is going through that she actually was engaged to Wentworth. Yeah. They can't speak about it in public. And so they're stuck in this. They can't speak to each other because, you know, what if one has moved on and the other hasn't? So you have no idea where Wentworth is throughout the whole thing. You're seeing the heartbreak that Anne's going through. And I think just that story, whether you relate more to Anne or to Wentworth in that case, I think everyone at some point in their life could relate to either giving up love and coming to regret it or having been given up and holding on to this idea that you could have made them happy. Yeah. I think that's the most fantastic sort so of like you, heart-wrenching story. Have you seen the new Netflix version of Persuasion? I, I have. Oh no! Do you have opinions? I. <laughs> it's, it's a calamity. It's a disgrace oh, to no. everything good and beautiful. <laughs> Let me, I, I, I should have prefaced with this. If anyone out there saw Netflix's Persuasion and you loved it, God bless you. That's that's your prerogative. Um, <laughs> what I hold issue with and what hurts me very deeply is that they took this tragic story of losing love and they didn't have the decency to make it a full-blown parody. They just yeah. turned it into a comedy. So they're, mm. you, they've got you stuck between joke, joke, and then like, oh, this is supposed to be a heartfelt moment. Yeah. Not to mention, aside from the names, like Anne Elliot is nothing like Anne Elliot in the books as she is. Oh, in don't the yeah. Movie. That that drove me crazy. She's like a drunk, quippy person, not this tragic <laughs> heroine who's like heartbroken. What the heck yeah. was with that? But the drinking, they, I know, I yeah, know. It's, we were it's, on, <laughs> so we joined the Book Was Better podcast, I think, to do Persuasion mm-hmm. with them, and they joined mm-hmm. us because we did an episode on it, and that was like one of the big things. We talked about the difference they between the movie and the character. book. Her character was like terrible. It was like yeah. a terrible Anne character. First of all, she wasn't old enough. Second of all, second of all, she was drunk all the time. And third of all, like she wasn't very likable. And Anne is supposed to be like sort of, I don't know. It was just not good. It wasn't good. Yeah. it's And my thing is like, if you want to go like full on parody, you can do that. So like take like Frankenstein, like that's a pretty serious like book that was written. Young Frankenstein, I think one of the funniest movies because it's like Mel Brooks didn't hold back. Everything is supposed to be a joke. 
Yep. So if mm. you're going to make something the the complete opposite of what it was intended to be, you have to go all the way. You can't expect people to take it seriously. But the moment you try to tread the line between those two, I think you lose the audience. You can't appeal to either because you desecrated the source material. And I'm a huge advocate for if it was written this way, if it was intended this way, like it's your it's your obligation to be as true to that as possible. Yeah, if Amen, you're going to claim it as the title of the movie, then you better keep to it. Amen. Yes, because you don't have the right. It's it, if you have the legal, you know, opportunity to. That's one thing, but I don't think you have the right to desecrate Jane Austen's works. Like I that. agree. Snaps yeah. for Tom, literally. <laughs> <Snaps> for Tom. <laughs> Tom. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> Right. I think we've answered this question, Devin. But I love Northanger Abbey as a story. I love Lizzie and That's, Darcy. Is that the only one we haven't done yet? That's the only one. Okay. Which it's not going to be as interesting a romantic like commentary. But Wait, I love sorry. the story. Have you, have you done Mansfield Park? No, we didn't. I okay. always Ooh. forget Mansfield Park. You know, it's it's kind of easy when you look at the, the whole like yeah, the first cousins it's a little, trying a little to fall weird. in love. Call me old-fashioned doesn't really do it for me. Yeah, maybe so. we should avoid it, Devin, because if we say we ship it, that's like a problem. <laughs> oh, my god! What is incest? I mean... Uh... <laughs> what? <laughs> that would be one of the questions. Are we concerned about the incest in this story? Huh. That's I saw a meme. Back never... then, that was normal. Yeah. I saw a meme. It was, um, it was Karen from Mean Girls, and they're like... Uh, you know, it's like Fanny Price. It's like, isn't Edmund like your cousin? And then it's Karen <laughs> from Mean Girls. It's yeah, but he's my first cousin. <laughs> but that's it. That's that's terrible. that writes itself. I yeah. completely oh, forgot about Mansfield Park. But well, isn't that a little bit of uh, persuasion too? And she's there's a little is, bit in isn't, every Jane uh, what's Austen. His, isn't one of the isn't the one her second cousin or something like that? Um, they're well, what? Fanny and Edmund, they're first cousins, I'm pretty sure. Okay, uh, and then like there's the whole Henry and Mary, like Crawford. Mm. Uh, I don't, they're they're no relation because Edmund's like pursuing Mary, and then gotcha. uh, Henry's kind of like tossed into pursuing Fanny. That's a whole this thing. whole time period was a little weird for that, <laughs> <Yeah>. so. <laughs> we'll we'll avoid the question Dismiss it. <laughs> yes but all right i i don't i i think we talked about it before too and i've i talked about my enjoyment of pride and prejudice just because it's that was kind classic. of my first as well and mm -hmm. that's what i've fallen for in terms of um jane austen so mm -hmm. from there one. yeah yeah from there, let's close this conversation. So, mm. do we ship it? Would someone else like to go first? No, we want to hear no? you, Tom. <laughs> okay. We want to hear you. All right. All right. Um, go ahead. As much as I love the sultry voice of Alan Rickman. Um, <laughs> that was I, great. No, I, I, he's, he sells it for you me. Even like, had okay, the, yeah, the facial expression, too. You did. You did. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> um, uh, it, as as much as I want to say yes, I feel like the circumstance. I could see the characters under the right circumstances um, being shipped. I I really could, and so I'm not opposed to the idea of saying yeah, I ship them. My issue is more that I think in Austin's works, I think this is the couple that 
was like sort of the primary characters you can debate whether or not marianne or eleanor i consider them like equally like main characters in this respect i think this is the only one where i feel like there wasn't enough um like actual development development yeah and part of the reason being that i i don't like when things are tied up in a cute little knot like at the very very end um yeah. the last like, like two the, pages <laughs> right one of the elements of storytelling is supposed to be show don't tell and mm-hmm. they just sort of tell us oh yeah you know like edward and eleanor like invited them both over a bunch and then yep. marianne eventually gave him like a chance and that's and- my that, that's my issue with the writing of this one's that it's a lot of just telling 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 and i i don't right i don't believe it yeah, it's you want to see it. You want to hear those conversations. You want to see that development. And I think if that had happened more directly, like after everything with Willoughby, I think that would have been like give it a chapter or two for her to mourn, and then see her like conversing more with, with Brandon, Brandon as the story sort of shifts to Eleanor's side of things. Yeah. I think that would have been an excellent way to introduce it later on. And I, I think I would have been sold much more, but yeah. in in the way the story was told, I don't think I can ship it. Yeah. And this is, this is where you throw in the beauty and the beast montage of like, all right, th- they're not necessarily oh. in love yet. And then you see them singing about each other and you see all the yeah. little dates that they go yeah. on. Just give us that little m- couple <laughs> like of moments and we'd be good. <laughs> yeah, I-, I will say I ship this more than I ship Eleanor and Edward. Really? Um, I, I do. I-, I, I feel I could see how, like Tom was saying, I could see how, the characters can progress there. Mm-hmm. You're just, just not there yet. I we I haven't seen enough to believe in it. Sure. I ultimately I it is not my favorite Austin couple. It just it mm-hmm. isn't. Yeah. It is not. It is not the romance couple that she can write because we know she can really write them. Um, but I do, in my opinion, I think that this couple shows more promise than eleanor and edward who yeah. you you see the line yeah. drawing these two together but the line is also a little bit dashed and you yeah. can't necessarily the, you need to fill yeah. in the blanks fill in the blanks yep <laughs> right yeah give, give us more like what context honestly, what would a conversation between brandon and marion sound like i i feel like i don't have a good inclination no. of what that would be like because it's always oh girl brandon and then scurrying off i mean yep it's it's missing it's missing the key points that would make Mm -hmm. it so much easier to say yeah and they have the shared tragedy they have the shared um like they they both um like eventually fall for second love because brandon Mm -hmm. fell for the first that didn't work out marianne fell for the first that didn't work out and so they Mm -hmm. both found new love in each other that could have been very beautifully told but yeah it was missing the fulcrum it was those story points i'll agree with you Absolutely. Awesome. So those are our thoughts. But what do you think about this couple? Our comment today comes from Julia. Hi, Julia. She writes, Colonel Brandon is such a good guy. He waits and waits for her, never daring to hope she will look his way. But he is a steadfast supporter of Marianne, someone who desperately desperately needs love and companionship from a sturdy character in the end i think he's right for her but i do think she has some major growing up to do that is fair 
Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm that. there with that. <laughs> uh, yes, thank you, Julia, for writing in. That makes a lot of sense. And thank you most especially to Tom, who has been joining us today. We appreciate it. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you about Sense and Sensibility. This has been so much fun. It's we gotta. I gotta move closer to y'all if we're gonna have more of these conversations. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree. And maybe when we do Mansfield Park, Tom will invite you. Back. Uh, that'll, yeah. He's we'll like, just no. <laughs> cousins moving on. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> well, that's a wrap for us on our Austin episode of the day. To Thank you for chiming in and listening with us. And if you're enjoying the podcast or have feedback, please don't hesitate to leave a review and rate us wherever you're listening. Yep. And of course, follow us on Instagram, engage with Devin on there. Um, we will be posting more about our upcoming episodes. It's fall time. Not right now, but it will be very, very soon. It will be. Yep. And if you have any comments or you want to join us for an episode, email us at weshipapodcast at gmail.com. Marianne could never love by halves, and her whole heart became in time as much devoted to her husband as it once had been to Willoughby. Uh, See you, shippers. I guess it's okay. Right? <laughs> <laughs>